0: Welcome to episode six of the Busy Fit podcast, where we will be going into limiting beliefs surrounding exercise, nutrition, and health. Uh, If you missed episode five of the Busy Fit podcast, uh, we covered how to stay on track through the holidays with our registered dietitian, Alex Moses, and our success coach, Craig Conley. So make sure you check that out. Hope you enjoy today's episode. All right, Craig, tell me something interesting.
1: Tell me something interesting. Well,
0: Actually, (laughs) just tell
2: me a fun fact. Let's start with that.
1: Fun fact. Fun fact. Fun fact. Fun fact. I don't know if this is a fun fact, but my sister just got engaged last Friday. She just got engaged. Her boyfriend proposed to her, and my sister is like a detective. She is the nosiest- Like literally or- (laughs) no not she might as well be but she's not literally (laughs) no she is an hr professional but uh,
2: not a detective at all
1: no not a detective at all but very detail-oriented and when it comes to surprises she gets all the details but uh omar is his name he was able to surprise her which i was very impressed by so that's exciting it's an exciting thing
0: What is your sister's name? Cheyenne. Cheyenne. Congrats, Cheyenne. Engagement announcement on the Busy Fit podcast. Look at that. Good for her.
1: I know. She just posted about it today. I don't know if they were trying to keep it a secret for a week or so, but I felt like it was okay to say it on a whole podcast because she posted about it.
0: How did he do it?
1: (laughs) So he recruited my mom. And my mom took Cheyenne out to dinner and, like, get her nails done and stuff like that. And Oh, that's when you know. Kept... When the
2: nails are getting done. Right? She, <laughs> she's it's such over. a detective. She should have known then, but we'll let it slide. That's
1: that's what I was thinking. So they ended up getting back to the apartment. He had uh, almost like an aisle away, Um as if it was a wedding. An aisle in their apartment with rose petals all the way down and then this big not necessarily a picture frame, but like a, a piece of art that said, marry me there with roses all around it and candles and all that stuff. So it was pretty cool.
2: That's awesome. <laughs> um, switching gears. Uh, so a different fun fact, I'm just going to spit out a few random fun facts uh, that, and I'll see if you guys kn- knew these or not. Uh, how much would you guess uh, within our whole lifetime, if we live an average length of
0: time, how much time in our lives do you think we spend on the toilet? I think there's a big difference between men and women in terms of the amount of time spent on the toilet. I'm just going to make that clear. My guess for men is I think 10% of our lives is spent. No, 7% of our lives is spent on the toilet. And I'm going to guess for women, it's like 3%. It's not a bad
2: guess. I, I'm According to <laughs> funkidslive.com, um, on the average person, uh, spends a whole year on the toilet. So, you know, when we talk about like managing, managing time and stuff, we can get, it sounds like we can get a lot of minutes back in our day if we just hustle up on the, the toilet. I don't know.
1: Up on the um, toilet, man.
2: Yeah. Interesting. All right. Another one. Did you know that glass balls, can bounce higher than
0: rubber balls.
1: That's bounce fake.
0: No fake. way. Yeah. I don't think I don't think Aaron can explain that one.
2: No, this is no, this is crap. They don't even go into an explanation on here. I'm gonna call out funkidslive.com and I need I need the them to cite their sources here. See, this is where
1: kids are getting all their information now though. And that's why they believe Glass balls can bounce higher.
2: Yeah. This one I for whatever reason I do believe, I but I have no basis to believe it. Uh, but that snakes can predict earthquakes. They have some Ow. sort of <laughs> sense. You know, I don't know
1: like you said, a staggering, i staggering.
2: From a staggering 75 miles away up to five whole days before it happens. Five days. Yeah, I mean, I have no... Snakes are like, they're they're nature's Richter scale.
1: (laughs) I'm standing here uh, listening to your fun facts, and my legs are almost kind of shaking right now um, because yesterday I had squats three sets of 15 Aaron. three sets of 15 back squat. Why? And it was, I had never done it before. I'd never done it before. And I was like, let me, let me challenge myself. See, see what happens. My legs are hurting right now. Want i to be honest. It's the part of my very high volume part of my program. And it's, uh, yeah, it's painful.
0: That's cardio. Yeah.
1: Literally. I felt like I ran a mile.
0: I will never, and I shouldn't say never, that's an extreme, but I will never likely never do that type of rep scheme again. If I'm doing higher rep, it's in multiple sets of, like, five. I still, <laughs> Aaron, your strength programming, I still follow, like, most of that formatting, and it's, like, mostly, like, five reps of everything. It's amazing. And you get well, plenty of endurance through that. Yeah, uh, and, you know, like... I think a very underutilized strategy is
2: uh, like the utility of cluster sets too. like mm-hmm. when, okay, instead of, you know, three by 15, if you want to accumulate that same volume, 45 reps, I mean, the density is going to decrease a little bit because obviously you're not going straight through the 15, but like do five rest, 20 seconds, then other five rest, 20, then the last five. Right. And do that for three sets. It, 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 only sucks a little less, but it does suck less. Twenty
1: seconds is a game changer.
2: Uh, you'd think so, but it—I don't know, man. It the the recovery that you get in twenty seconds is not depending on what intensity you're at. Obviously, like the recovery you get, right? It, it's not a whole whole lot, but it, it yeah, it definitely helps.
1: I feel like it's probably just enough to assure you that you're not going to die but not enough to where you want to get back under the bar
2: yeah Um, but then it's really debilitating that like let's say you finish that second cluster of five and you rack it and you're like you're already out of breath and you're like oh my god i have to do that again oh my god (laughs) i have to do it in like five seconds oh god (laughs) here we go like I don't know. It's there's a there's a mental yeah. game to it too. Whereas like if you're just going 15, like I don't know, just flip the switch off in your head and just go. Like
0: I, I guess they both have their yeah. pros and cons, but yeah, I don't know. But you know the the other side of that though is like at least when you're breaking up with the cluster, there is a moment where like it just feels like less. And I think as like. Especially as a former swimmer, where our goal is like always to go a hundred percent as hard as we can for basically everything, I don't want to do that ever again. Like I'm past that phase of my life. But what you saw what I think you saw what I posted on Instagram today of the you know I'm 34. I have the best years of my life ahead of you, and then there's the sport broadcaster that's like oh he's the oldest person in the league it's he's 32 it's a miracle my wife sent me that today I'm like man thank you I'm old now yeah I
2: I, I so I, I just hit my 30s recently in life and I was like on that trainer like oh man like I'm declining from here on but I I don't know man I'm I'm the strongest I've ever been right now. And I'm not in my twenties anymore. So
0: 30, 30, is the new 20 in my opinion. What are some of these PRs that you've been hitting? Cause you've been posting about it a ton, but haven't shared any numbers really. Uh, nothing like
2: super substantial. So like when I was in college and I was competing in weightlifting like that was my like i it was snatches, clean and jerks, and like you know the squats, deadlifts, bench overhead press, like that kind of stuff you know was very it was important, but it was supplemental to like snatching and clean and jerking, and like lately, probably for the last like eight months or so i I don't think I've done more than like three or four cleans uh or or snatches it's really just to like if I feel like mogging one of my athletes and like they do a heavy clean or something and just to show them like I still got it, you know, I'll I'll rip one every now and then. But outside of that, like it's just been like a little bit more powerlifting focus. So a lot of bench squat deadlift. And yeah, like I let's see, four fifteen on a deadlift a couple of days ago, which nothing crazy, but still more than I've done historically. Um just under a a 300 bench, um, I did what would have equated to around a a 405 squat, which is kind of weird because my deadlift and squat are usually way further apart than that, but hopefully that just means my deadlift has a lot more room to go, but yeah, man, training's good. Again, the, the, for at least, uh, the the casual, I'll call myself an athlete. The casual athlete, yeah, thirties is the new twenty. I don't know about the NFL, but maybe for us, <laughs> we're, we we got something good going for us.
1: Are you gaining weight right now, Aaron? As your like body weight?
2: Yeah, and I wish I could say that it was all good weight, but I'm just like, yes, I've gained a lot of muscle in that like kind of eight month period but i yeah i put on a lot of fat too but i'm okay with it it's it's going to be wedding season for me i get married in 7 months about so we'll uh we'll, there's plenty of time to to dial it back and get into get in the wedding shape right but yeah i'm sitting at like almost 220 right now which is massive for me i think outside of like this past year the heaviest i've ever been was like maybe 205 so we're we're up there we're getting there but yeah it's it's about time to to for me to maybe get back in the water get on a treadmill and and change my cardio from you know those those cluster sets to an actual cardio session and you know burn calories but you know we'll see
0: if only you had a nutrition team that could help you get shredded for your wedding, you know. Yeah. You know, I think it may, it may just be time to 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 utilize
2: that team and get it all dialed in.
1: We can put a lot of cereal into your program.
2: Actually, you no, know, my big kick lately has been so I'm allergic to every nut like on the planet and peanuts too, legumes like but the only one that i'm not allergic to that i've fared well with is uh sunflower butter. So, like sunflower butter and jelly sandwiches have been a big staple in my diet lately. I've never had that. That sounds good. It tastes pretty good. It's not bad. It's it's just like 3 times the cost of anything else, which sucks, but
0: Yeah, it's expensive it's like $16 for like the small thing that's the size of the peanut butter.
2: It's crazy. Yeah. It's I think mine's like 11
0: for the the tiny one, but that's not bad. Do what you got to do. Are you a sunflower <laughs> seed guy?
2: No. Used uh, to be, but not anymore. They used to be like the, the road so the road trip snack of choice, but a minute, maybe I need to hop back on it.
0: Ranch sunflower seeds. Yeah can't dude. beat it. Alright, so first limiting belief here. Uh no pain, no gain. I think we hear this one all the time, especially for people that used to work out all the time or or be athletes, but that one I think everyone seems to think that they have to you have to grind out every single, every single session to like get whatever type of result.
2: You know, I think there's, there's periods where, or certain goals or like if you're in, you know, certain phases of training, whatever it may be, especially for those that may be a little bit more competitive athletes where like it does take much more of a grind uh, and it, Like, some days may feel, quote-unquote, grueling, but the reality is, like, I think the other, like, the operative word and kind of what you said is, like, effective. It doesn't always have to be that way to be effective training. Um, You know, I – for a lot of our clients, like, we we always – give like a certain RPE scale uh, just to kind of get that subjective effort to feel, to get a gauge of like, Hey, how difficult was this session for you scale of one to 10? And, you know, very rarely are we getting those RPEs of like, you know, nine and 10, there may be one day a week. It's like an eight or a couple days maybe, but uh, for the most part, like we're kind of in that like good kind of middle zone where it's very tolerable, they feel like they're getting work in, but it's not too, too much. And you look at if they're consistent with that and they get, you know, three to five days of training a week in that kind of middle zone, even though they don't feel like they're having to kill themselves, like every session for that whole month, you look from, you know, month one to month two to month three. And like, there's very objective progress, even though that subjective difficulty doesn't have to be like, again, that nine or ten out of ten. Like, if you're okay, if I'm a competitive in whatever sport, or you know, we, we've we've talked about swimming some. Like, there's going to be some practices, or you know, you know, a lactate set, or uh, some maybe uh, some hypoxic stuff for me. That's like that's gonna that's gonna throw that subjective difficulty for me like through the roof, but. Like it's also a necessary component of that sport if you wanted to compete at an elite level, but not everyone's goal should or needs to be like I want to be the elite at that. Like it's more than likely just going to be I want to I want to lose weight, I want to burn fat, I want to get a little stronger, get healthier joints, and that's very tolerable. And The training for that should be very tolerable
0: for our audience that does not know what RPE means can you explain that in you know elevator pitch 60 seconds or less yeah so it's rate of perceived exertion so we need some way to kind of gauge like okay well what
2: is the the relative difficulty of you know this exercise this session uh some way to be able to see like you know how again how tolerable is this session or is this training for them so giving them an avenue to report back and saying you know, there's, it's not rocket science, like, Hey, scale of one to 10, one being, you know, that's a a literal walk in the park and 10 being, I just, you know, one rep maxed everything and then had to go sprint a mile or something. Hopefully not that, but, uh, you know, something very difficult to the point that it's like, you know, that's, that's all I got left in the tank. So it's important for us to make sure that, you know, we, that our, our clients have an avenue to give that subjective feedback where they can say like, you know, this was, you know, a little high or a little low. So when it comes to either progressing or even, you know, regressing certain exercises or sessions, we know kind of where we're at and, you know, where we need to be to find that sweet spot of what's comfortable, what's tolerable and what they can stay consistent with. So that rate of rate of perceived exertion is just a a super easy way for us to do that.
1: Yeah, Aaron, I really liked what you said uh within the first section of your answer being consistency. <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm
0: sorry, I'm making I'm making Craig laugh because I told him before the call started that I that I have to spend a ton of time editing out his Yeah, I really like what you said because he says that before he goes into anything ever. <laughs> That's yeah,
1: and it was like autopilot. <laughs> it is. But I did like. I did like what he said, though. That was genuine. So when he used the word consistency, because I think we can often get questions <laughs> of, "Hey, what's the most important aspect to a training plan?" And it's like, is it the reps? Is it the volume? Uh, is it the intensity? Is it the time of day that you train? Is it the movements that you're doing? And all of those are really important. But the most important factor is consistency. You can do the most perfect training plan. If you do it for one day, you're not going to get results. So it has to be consistent. And it's not sustainable to maintain, to go back to the RPE, to maintain a 9 or 10 RPE or that level of intensity consistently. It's just not possible. So making sure that you're giving yourself that room to fall into that five or six or the moderate intensity that allows you to come back the next day is where you're going to get the most benefit for sure. Yeah.
2: Another concept that I think, you know, I don't want people to think that like, you know, every day has to be like this, you know, five to six out of 10 and that like, being only operating at that level is like how you get results it can like don't get me wrong but I think that there's definitely some merit too to having a little bit more undulation and like the volume intensity difficulty uh, density of a lot of your training sessions where like again depending on what the goal may be but some days it may be appropriate to have like an eight or nine and you just need to make sure that you follow that up with like, uh, okay, a two or a three, you know, uh, you know, we also, we talk about sustainability and that's really important. Um, we don't want it to be sustainable, but also overtly monotonous either to where it's, you know, the same level of stimulus every single day. We're not getting enough stimulus to give our, Self, something to that our body has to recover from, but we're never going too low to where we're ever giving our bodies a chance to recover from that stimulus either. So there does need to be that undulation, that kind of wave of in you know, the volume, intensity, and density of whatever session we have. But generally speaking, like you know, we we don't want to just like live on, like
0: live at the top, live at the bottom, or only be in the
2: middle all the time.
0: On top of that, I think also it has to be very context dependent too. Not when you're, we're not talking about like the elite athlete side, but for the regular person, you know, I always loved like the whoop model in terms of like the daily readiness for, you know, what strain you can handle. Say that, you know, scale is, that RP is six to 21. Some days you're truly capable of having, you know, a 17 or 18 strain and you're going to get stimulus for that and your body's going to respond and be able to kind of have that, you know, acute overload and recover from it, but now if your body's only prepared for a lower level of activity and you still do that 16 or 17 highly intense workout, um, you know, your body's not going to fully recover and repair from that. And I think when people see like, okay, well, I'm going to have like a deload day and I'm going to, you know, kind of do that undulation themselves throughout a progression you know, they're not actually factoring in like, okay, well, I just came off four hours sleep and that's going to change things a little bit differently. And, and I guess, you know, we see it all the time. We work with a lot of healthcare professionals, uh, that, you know, say they work three twelves they work, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, six to six or seven to seven. And, you know, their training may be Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. And so this one, I guess more directed to Aaron, how do you like for that person that their schedules and sleep is not consistent like what's going through your mind in terms of actually like undulating that intensity and, and stimulus that they're getting
2: yeah that's a that's a really good question um especially with like the 312's example and you know one thing that we we probably don't want to do is okay you finish a let's say a 12 hour shift when you're on your feet the whole time in the hospital and go leave that go to the gym and now try to squat, hip thrust, go for a run, you know, everything else. So it's, you know, when when you look at like collegiate and professional athletics, some people operate with the model where uh, NBA is a great example. Like a lot of teams after they finish certain games, you'll see some of the guys, some of the starters getting in a lift like in the locker room real quick or like in their own weight room, if they're at home, just to get that, like, one or two, like, kind of micro-dosing those sessions throughout the week to make sure that they get it in so that the following day, like, they can truly have, like, an off day and a recovery day Um, because their schedule's just, you know, chaotic and everything else. But the reality is, like, that's not as – that's not as sustainable – Uh, And realistic for, you know, like like we said, like a healthcare practitioner that may be working something like 312s. We can't expect them to go after that 12-hour shift over into the weight room just so that the following day they can have a rest day. But the thing that we, I I guess I would propose considering outside of that, like let's say it is, it's a, a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and they still have a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday off day and Sunday, we'll just keep as like a, a general off day, or maybe like an active recovery day. We still want to undulate like what those sessions look like on maybe those Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, where okay, we we can try to push it a little bit on Tuesday that day one, uh, have that little higher subjective RPE that and that that's going to make that front half of the week a little tough that kind of Monday through Wednesday because they got a couple shifts they have a tougher workout on that Tuesday Thursday we do a little bit more of a flush uh, some sort of an active recovery um, so that they go into you know that Friday feeling a little bit better and then Saturday that may be where we have like our toughest session and because we know or they know that they have an extra day after that to recovers. And that's not like a perfect example, but what we, the, the general theme of that being like, we still want to find some sort of method that we can still operate with that undulation throughout those days that we can get training sessions in. Uh, but go with the understanding too, that like, okay, you're also on your feet a lot. Uh, we need to, you know, work around that, do what we need to do. Like a lot of healthcare practitioners, don't have the recovery modalities that NBA players do and have the personnel and resources that are at a whim, uh, for them literally 24 seven. And we need to keep that in consideration, but that doesn't mean that we can't still utilize those, those off days from off work to a good extent, uh, for training. But we also need to make sure that we, it's kind of like the, you know, start slow build up, like find. A schedule that works well for you. Um, and then like build up that volume intensity as you go through several weeks and make sure that it is sustainable. It is tolerable. Like last thing you want to do is burn yourself out. If you you have that Monday, Wednesday, Friday work split, and then you do too much on that first Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. And then you're like, Oh God, well, I can't do this. Like this, this isn't feasible for me. I'm, I'm not able to do what I want to do, which is, you know, get some sort of training or workout in. No, you just need to scale it back a little bit. Again, we need to find that tolerable base, build that up before getting into, you know, a level that may be a little bit more like traditional training uh, for people that have a more, uh, maybe an easier schedule or whatever that may be,
0: you know. Yeah. And I think uh, we talk a lot, especially with our clients about stress, you know, and how that impacts what you're doing training wise. And I find even myself getting into this a little bit where I notice, say, I'm highly stressed or, uh, you know, just exhausted or maybe just like fighting a little bit of a cold or something. And I'll start thinking in my head, like, am I prepared to do like the workout I was going to do today? And it becomes a yes or a no when reality, like you said, it should be, well, maybe this I just need to adapt to like what my body is capable of doing today. We you need to be able to, to modify what you have
2: as well. Like if there is a plan, perfect adherence is great, but it may not always be the best thing if there's other stressors and other factors that need to be considered. I had, I had a swimmer, a college swimmer yesterday that came up to me. We had a heavy lift for him and he had just finished a really tough final Uh I don't think it went too well. He wasn't feeling that great. He was also sick uh, later in the week, the week prior. And it's like, okay, yeah, we have this and we have these numbers that we want to chase for today, but is that really going to be what's best for that person or that athlete? At that point in time, no. It may have been a perfect plan originally, but you still got to keep in consideration what those other factors or variables may be. I think we talk about limiting beliefs. I think another one that comes up a lot or maybe with other clients that we've talked with or uh, people we've spoken with is, you know, the examples of, well, I did this before and it didn't work or I didn't get the results. Um, you know, there's a lot of different excuses or reasons people can give to why they may or may not have cons- consistency with what they're doing and training. But this belief that like, well, because I've tried before and failed. And that being the reason that they may not go to whatever it is that may actually be best for them, because they have this belief in their head that, well, you know, it's not going to work for me. I'm I'm either different or uh, I need something else, or no, I had this person and uh, it didn't work for me. You know, that's that's another limiting belief. So something that I think we can definitely navigate around as well.
1: Well, the first thing I'd ask or do, I should say, in that situation is ask questions. Because like you said, Aaron, there's so many possible things that could have led to them, quote unquote, failing or stopping when they did, right? And feeling like they failed. It could have been the program itself and that it wasn't similar to what we had just talked about. It wasn't tailored to their schedule. It wasn't tailored to uh, what they needed. And so they were trying to do something that was outside of their their realm of possibility or energy levels or schedule or whatever. It could have been that it wasn't uh, built around their goals. It could have been that they just didn't like what they were doing. And it could be as simple as that. And it's really hard to stick to something when you are not enjoying it. And so finding out what the root, of why they stopped or why they feel like they failed was, is a big first step. And then from there, figuring out what they want to do, figuring out how to build a program around their lifestyle, their goals, and giving them small wins. And I know there's been times inside and outside of fitness where I have failed and felt like I failed and stopped and quit things for sure. And. uh in those moments i try to reflect and think about you know what did i learn from those experiences right and it's like oh uh, well i was not good at driving when i first started at all literally got in an accident within the first month of getting my license and it was not good and i learned from that experience that i should wait and make sure that someone turns on their turn signal, uh, or is turning when they turn on their turn signal. Right. So it's just learning opportunities that I can take away from those failures or those, uh, slip ups. And if we can translate or take that same thought process into fitness, I think it can serve us really, really well. So at the end of the day, As long as you continue to try, especially with something like fitness, there's so many different options. There's so many different routes that we can go. As long as you're still trying, you're not failing and you shouldn't give up. Like going out on a walk could be the biggest win that you have for the whole entire week fitness wise. And there's no, it's really hard to fail at that. You know, it's really hard to not succeed at that.
2: For sure. I I love that answer. And I'm going to backtrack a little bit to, I think it ties in pretty well with maybe another limiting belief too uh, of like, okay, well, I've tried something before I failed uh, or I tried something before and I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like it. It wasn't for me. Uh, I it, I didn't have the motivation to to do that. And I think one thing that I would throw at people when they say like, in we've even worked with clients that may say like, it's really easy to have the motivation up front and say like okay I want to make a change and I want to do this and you make those decisions and have those thoughts you know from from the seat in your car or from the couch and when when things are really easy it's a lot more difficult to keep that that motivation going when you're in the middle of a workout and you have other things that you're you know worried about with work or family but you still feel like you need to get this run in or get this lift in or whatever it may be and that motivation can dwindle or change, and one of the messages that we we try to throw out to people that say, you know, oh, I feel like I'm just like I'm losing that that motivation that I originally had. Like I'm, I'm losing that motivation that I had when I made that easy decision that I wanted to make a change, but now it's it's more difficult. And what what I would suggest to that and that that limiting belief of like that loss of motivation is trying to f- just not necessarily get rid of that word motivation, but to try to flip it to discipline instead. Because again, like motivation isn't this like endless fuel source. It's, we, we can refill it. We can maybe go listen to some David Goggins or watch a Rocky video on YouTube or so, whoever. And like, we're going to have those moments where we can like kind of refuel our motivation. But the reality is like, Motivation in and of itself isn't what's going to help us get through whatever period of not only training, but just like life in general, too. But we need to have that discipline and that structure to make what we're doing habitual rather than something that's just derived from motivation. As soon as we can switch our our mindset and our activity from, "Okay, I'm doing this because I'm motivated to do it, to I'm doing this because it's just a habit. It's what I do. It's part of my life. It's something I'm disciplined with. That only like that feeds as much back into that motivation. Once we start seeing those results, those successes, because we've been disciplined, we've made things habitual because of that. And again, it's switching that mindset of just like going from, okay, I want to be motivated to no, I, I want to be disciplined. Right. And it's something that it's i saying that right now it's it's a lot easier said than done, but I don't forget what the rule is, or whatever philosopher or whoever thought of it, but uh, they say like you know it it takes three weeks or a month to build a habit, and I think there's a lot of truth to that i I'd say like maybe you know eight or nine times out of ten. Again, people going back to the example of like, oh, I'm motivated, but that motivation starts to dwindle when you're in the middle of workouts and you're in week four and like you're tired and stuff like going away from, okay, I'm going to do this because I'm motivated to, I'm going to do this because I'm disciplined. And that's really going to help really get you through that first, that three to four weeks or whatever it takes to make that practice become habit become a part of the daily routine it also just helps build practice too like putting workout sessions in your weekly schedule is like making time for it is like the more you practice it the more you get better at it the more you realize what's sustainable for you like what time frame that you may need for some certain type of workout or how many times a week you feel like you're actually able to go to a gym or if you're able to knock 30 minutes of just a home circuit at home as well. out, like whatever that is, you know, building that consistency, making that habit, being disciplined with it, rather than saying, Oh, I'm, I'm losing motivation as another thing that I think a lot of people could benefit from as well. Man,
1: Aaron, you hit the nail on the head with that motivation piece, because motivation, she said, let's not throw the word out. And I don't think we should throw it out either. But it's easy to throw it out when we lose it. You know, like if, we don't, if we're not motivated, little things are happening. And when we create habits, it is so much more sustainable. It makes me think of the root of those two things where, you know, motivation, or another example you could use is passion. Motivation and passion I believe, are very emotionally rooted. They're very emotionally based. Like you said, you can go and watch a a Rocky movie and it wells up emotion. You get hype. You're like, I'm going to run those stairs too. It's going to happen. It's very emotion driven. And once those emotions leave, the motivation, the passion goes with it. Or if if the emotion gets connected to something else, the motivation or passion goes to that other thing. Whereas habits, I think, are more identity-based, and they become a part of you. Like you said, i if you were to say, I am a disciplined person, that's a piece of your identity, and that's a core piece of you. So regardless of how you feel, regardless of your emotion, it doesn't necessarily change that you are a disciplined person who is going to get that workout in, right? So the more you can create habits and build this fitness discipline into your lifestyle and your identity, the more sustainable it's going to be for sure. I completely agree. Yeah, definitely. And
2: yeah, I think we've, we've, we've talked about, you know, several things and gone through a lot of different limiting beliefs or I'll call them misconceptions or misnomers as well, that kind of no pain, no gain mentality, um, you know, whatever excuses it may be like, uh, whether it be I'm too busy or this isn't right for me, I've tried before. I haven't been able to do it. Don't have the motivation, and I don't want to like say I don't want to discredit all of those sentences and just be the person that says you know oh suck it up you you can do this and do that because there's a lot of truth behind a lot of that. But I think that it's at the end of the day, it still is a limiting belief. And we don't want to make those sentences that uh you know I need to do, I need to kill myself in the gym to get progress, or i have i've I've done this before, it didn't work for me. We can't let those thoughts become legitimate beliefs because they are limiting, and I think we flipping a lot of that, framing it a little bit more positively and rather than having those as just reasons understanding that they they are and can be excuses and navigating around them. Because I think one of the consistent themes we've kind of been talking about here has just been like, you know, training, health, lifestyle, whatever. It's, it's all malleable. You can make a plan. Like there are like everyone's coachable to an extent and everyone just needs to find that niche and what's appropriate for them because there, there is only one, Aaron Duvall in the world. There's only one Craig Conley. There's only one Justin. Like there's, all of us are a little bit different, uh, whether it be professionally, personally, athletically. And because we don't bat a thousand the first time that we try to make a routine of, okay, well, this is what I need to do because it's what I read on the internet. And then it's too hard or it's too easy, or uh, we're not able to stay motivated and disciplined with it. It's not sustainable, whatever it may be. Know that, okay, let regroup, try again. Learn back from whatever those failures that we talk about may have been, right? So we've talked about a lot of things. I think the overall uh, message that we're trying to get is you know working around these limiting beliefs and turning them, flipping them from a limiting belief to a little bit more of a positive mentality because that's really, really important and I think it'd be really beneficial for a lot of people. So um, I hope that you know everyone's gotten some type of, uh, message or something that resonates with them. And that, you know, if, if anyone ever starts to hear or feel some of these more like intrusive thoughts of limiting beliefs, kind of coming into their mind, understand that that's just what they are. They're, they're limiting and they can be flipped. We just have to tweak our mindset a little bit and find out what's appropriate for us. So, um, we appreciate everyone listening in, uh, for this episode and always, feel free to reach out to us and our team if anyone has any questions or comments regarding any of it. And again, thank you for listening and we'll hope to hear you on the next episode of the busy fit podcast.